So I want to start off by, well, I want to start off by, by just giving us a little reminder of what the direction is that this that God has given us for this church. And we all, if, we, if I asked you, I know you guys know it, it's love God, to love one another, and also to do that with the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. But I wanted to read to you the, the mission statement. Just, just want to do that this morning. So our mission statement here is that at La Mirada First, God has given us a clear mission and a clear direction. We will first and foremost seek to become rooted in God's love. There's nothing more precious than the love the Lord has for his people. We will be saturated in prayer and we will study the scriptures in an excellent manner so that we can disciple others with sound doctrine. Now throughout history, God has demonstrated his power and love and the ultimate demonstration of God's love was that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we get that from Romans 5.8. And we will present the gospel with humility and dependence on the powerful working of the Holy Spirit so that God will be glorified above all. And we get this from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, and I'll read that to you. I want you guys to understand where our, our statement comes from. And, and the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 1 says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling, and my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So what we want here is to rest everything on the power of God, everything on the mighty hand of God. On the, you know, we want God to be God. We don't want to stop Him in any way. We want to let the supernatural God flow. We just want to let God be God. And so we also believe in living in a season, that we are living in a season where the vitality of the church depends on authentic believers or those who seek to live out their lives in faith. So we'll strive to be fully sanctified. Thank you. We'll strive to be fully sanctified in order to preach and teach the Word of God boldly. And we will also seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit in order to have a well-rounded church where the power of the Holy Spirit is evident. Now, we need to have a church where, like that last part, where the power of the Holy Spirit is evident. We want God to do His mighty work with us, through us, in the church, outside of the church, not just within the walls here, but all over the place. We want to see the mighty workings of the Holy Spirit. But in order for us to accomplish those goals, goals we have to trust in the mighty Word of God. We have to trust in the Scriptures, trust in what God has told us, and trust in the decisions we've made to serve the Father and to be obedient to our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. I'll never forget the last time that I went to jury duty because of the uh, wisdom that the judge showed while she was asking questions. So uh, I always, I, I always want to get picked, but I never do. <laughs> I know it might be weird to some, but I want to be on the case. But every time I, they, they find out I'm a pastor, they... They say, I'm going to forgive, and then they don't, one side wants me, the other doesn't, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, but when they're asking questions, the attorneys were asking, they were asking the people, they said, are you going to be able to be fair and judge fairly and, and serve as, as a juror? And some of the answers they were giving was like, well, I'll try. 
and some of, and some of the other ones well I think so and they were and they repeatedly were were saying this like as they went through and the judge just kind of got mad about this and she stopped she stopped everything and she says hold on a minute and she started to give a story about going to Las Vegas and she starts talking about you know in Las Vegas where you know everybody knows there's there's a lot of things allowed in Las Vegas. A lot of sinfulness happens over there. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of there's just a lot of things that could happen in Las Vegas. And then she and then she goes on and she's talking to the jury and she says, and let me ask you guys a question. She says, if your husband or your wife was going to go to Las Vegas without you, and you asked them, can you be faithful to me on this trip? And their answer was, I'll try, or I think so. She said, that would probably not be something you'd want to hear, it wouldn't go over. And, and so she said, it, it, you know, and then she went on and on. But it made me think about, about the church and to think about God and the way God, the way God tells us, you know, it, you know, will you be faithful to the scriptures? And if our answer is, well, I'll try or, you know, I think so, then we're, then we're not doing what we, it's not an adequate answer. It's not what God wants to hear. It's not what, we need to be faithful to God in the word of God, in the scriptures. We need to trust the word of God and we need to not answer with an I think so or I'll try, but with a yes, a yes. And, and I get, you can say no, but I'm hoping that everybody says yes. But let your answers be a yes or let it be a no. And we're going to serve God, let's do it, not an I think so, or maybe, or I, I'll try. No, let's serve God, let's trust in the mighty word of God. And if it's not, then, then it's not. But be yes or no, don't be in the middle there. Because we need to be obedient to God, we need to trust in God, we need to see His mighty power. And we can't be afraid to stand firm in our Lord. We cannot be afraid to stand firm in the Lord. We've been talking a lot about that. It's time to stand firm. It's time to hold our ground as believers, not only here, but outside of these walls. It's just time to stand on what we believe in and not let ourselves be shaken in any way, shape, or form by what's going on in society or anywhere. We hold on to the words of God and into the Scripture. And that comes from Corinthians 2. First, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 21, it just says, Now it is God who makes both of us, you, both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us and set his seal of ownership on us. And he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So it is the anointing of God that has been put upon us. It is the guarantee of God that has been put upon us. So we stand firm, not in our own strength, but in the mighty anointing of God. And God has given us that anointing and has it there freely for us if we just want it. And I know I do, and I hope that you guys do too, is want that anointing to serve God and to please Him in everything that we do and to stand firm. Stand firm, because there's a lot of things that are coming at the church that are, that, that are meant to shake it up. But we need to stand firm and hold on to the scriptures and not cave to, even, even if something, even if it becomes illegal to have church, we are not going to cave to that. We're going to serve God no matter what, because we hold on to the word of God and it is God that anoints us. Because we are, you are the people of God. You are the people who serve God, you are the people God has chosen in this era, in this generation, in this year to serve God with mighty power and, the, and that God may see, the, that you may see the glory of God through your works and the works of other believers. Amen. Do you believe that? Yes. Amen. 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 Amen.
Yes, God is going to do something, but we have to be prayer. We have to be people of prayer. In the, in the beginning of that mission statement, it says we will be saturated in prayer. We need to be saturated in prayer. You guys know what saturated means? You're just soaked. Like think of a sponge that's just saturated, it's dripping. We, knew, we need to be dripping in, in, in prayer. You know, if you carry a sponge that's wet, you don't want to carry it out of your sink because it's going to get water everywhere, whatever it's soaked with. We want to be that sponge that is making a mess everywhere, everywhere we go with just prayer falling all over the place, saturating everything. Oh, here come those prayer people again, people are going to say. But we need to be those people of God. We need to be that. And, and the Lord has given us examples of that through time and through history. And I want to look at Hezekiah a little bit. And Hezekiah was, there's a lot going on during his time when he was reigning. The nation of Israel was split in two. You had the northern kingdom, you had the southern kingdom, and you had, so you had Israel and you had Judah. And all that's going on. And Hosea was the king of Israel. And, and he was in his third year, and Hezekiah, Hezekiah became the, the king of Judah when he was 25 years old, and he reigned for another 25 years. So that's when he started. And during those years, he learned to stand firm in the Lord. He learned to look to God during the things that happened in those years. And the Bible says that Hezekiah was right in the eyes of God just as his father David had done. And there was a lot of idol worship happening in those times. There was people putting the Asherah poles and just setting up different, different things to worship different gods. And he just started tearing it all down, just started tearing it all down. And he would say, no one can go worship anywhere unless you're going to worship the one and only true God. Second Kings, if you're there, go to chapter 18 in verse 5. We'll go 5 and 7, 5 through 7 says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. The key thing I want you to focus on there is the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him because he was obedient to God. And he knew that the Lord's with him, then nothing is going to come against him. Now the Lord still promises that today. If we are with the Lord, if the Lord is with us, then nothing can come against us. Nothing can defeat us. Because we are already victorious in Jesus' name. Amen? And so this close relationship that he has with God is what, is what leads him to that. And, and to, to withstand some of the storms in his life, he needed to be close to God. He needed to build that relationship with God. And we need to build that relationship with God as well, because the storms that come in our lives can, can you know, they can, they can get us off track. So we need to focus on them. And so we could build trust with God. The more we speak to God, the more we pray, the more we can trust God, because the more we talk. How do you trust somebody? If you meet somebody, how do you learn to trust them? Do you never talk to them and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm going to trust you? No, you spend time with them, you, 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 you talk to them, you, 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 that's how you build trust. And, and so we need to build that trust with God when we learn to be obedient to God and also we need to learn to be loyal to our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. So this relationship, you know, we need to, we need to just build upon them. Here's a, here's a quote from Martin Luther. He said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. You know, the importance of prayer. Obviously, if you don't 
pray, you're not going to stop breathing. But the thing is, it's, it's, it's necessary in our walk with God. It's absolutely necessary. And here's a couple other quotes from an evangelist that said, If you're weak in prayer, you're weak everywhere. And a sinning man stops praying, but a praying man stops sinning. Think about that. A sinning man will stop praying, but a praying man will stop sinning. And I, I really like this next one. It says, no man is greater than his prayer life. If we want to be great in serving our God, not great in that we want like, to be, I'm great, I'm great, but we want to be, be strong for the Lord, we want to be used by God, then we need to be praying. We need to be trusting God. And then another quote, which I also like, says, my ambition in life is to be on the devil's most wanted list. <laughs> He already hates us. We might as well get on his most wanted list by serving God. <laughs> because he can't do a thing. He can't do a thing. He is defeated. And we have become victorious in the name of Jesus through the blood of the Lamb. Right. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because I know Jesus is in here right now. Thank you for doing that for us. Yes. Can we give our Lord a, a round of applause here? So here's, here's, some of, here's some of the things that Hezekiah was facing. So in the fourth year of him of, of being the king of Judah, the northern part of Israel was being attacked by the Assyrians. So the northern part is being attacked, and the king of Assyria at the time marched against Samaria, and then there was for a period of three years, and he conquered them all, and then he took them all, and he deported them all to Assyria. That was happening up there. 2 Kings 18, 12 says, This happened because they had not obeyed the Lord, their God, but had violated his covenant. All that Moses... All that Moses, a servant of God, had commanded, they neither listened to the commands nor carried them out. So this happened in the northern part. Now, the, uh, the Assyrians, they only respected power. These were people that just respected power, and they wanted to conquer everything. So then they turned their attention to the south and want to go against the kingdom of Judah. So in the 14th year, about seven years after that happened, he started to, the Assyrians came down and attacked the four to five cities of Judah, and so here we have this going on, and King Hezekiah is offering to give the Assyrians all of their gold, all of their money, if they would just kind of leave. He gives them 11 tons of silver. Give them 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold he gives to them. So the Assyrians took it. They took the silver, they took the gold, but they didn't leave. Instead, they come down to finish it off and continue to destroy Jerusalem. And they showed up with this large army, just this big army, and they had a message for King Hezekiah. And this is what they said, and this is in 2 Kings 18, verses 19 and 20. It says, the field commander said to them, he goes, tell Hezekiah that this is what the great king of Assyria says. On what are you basing, on what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength. You speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? So this is the Assyrians 
telling, telling King Hezekiah. And they were confident and cocky at this point because they had conquered places like Egypt. They even conquered the northern part. So they conquered God's people up there. But the Bible tells us it's because God allowed that because they weren't being obedient to anything that God said. So, so they had power and they had numbers and they said, you know, you're, you know we're going to get you. But you know what? They had, they had not encountered they had not encountered the one true God yet. They had not encountered the one man that can serve God, the one man that was serving God, the one man that would let the power of God. And they hadn't encountered that, but they're, gonna, they're about to see it. But then they start to employ psychological warfare. And that was used even way back then. And so then he starts to tell them, and if you look at verse 25 in 2 Kings 18, this, uh, you know, the king of Assyria starts to, the commander, the field commander starts to say this. He says, furthermore, I have come to attack and to destroy this place without word from the Lord. He says, he says, uh, the Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. So he's telling them, well, God said to me to come and destroy it. Of course, that's not true, but he's trying to get in their heads. And then he says, then the commander stood in verse 28. Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew. He says, hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he will say that the Lord will surely deliver us, that this city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. He says, don't listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me. And come out to me, then every one of you will eat from his own vine, the fig tree, and drink water from his own cistern, until I come and take you to a land like your own, the land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life, choose life and not death. He says, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says that the Lord will never deliver us. Has, God, has the God of any nation ever delivered his hand from the hand of the king of Assyria? So he's telling them, look, we're going to destroy you, but if you come with me, then don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't listen. He's going to say that God will deliver you. He's like, don't listen to that. We've taken care of people like you before. So you can imagine how the people might have been really nervous at the time. They might have remembered what happened in the northern kingdom. And, but what did Hezekiah do? Hezekiah went to the temple and prayed. So what he did was he went to the temple and he prayed. He went to the temple and he prayed. So there's never a time when we say prayer is enough prayer. We continue to pray. We continue to pray and we continue to pray. The best thing we can do is pray. So Hezekiah went and he prayed and he prayed and he sought the Lord and now I'm going to read from 2 Kings 19, verses 5 through 7. It says, When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, because Isaiah spoke the word of God to him. God gave him a word. So he says, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says, Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me, he says, Listen, I am going to put such a spirit in him, that when he hears a certain report, he will return to his own country and where, and where I have him will cut him down with a sword. Remember, the enemy always wants to come and steal and destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He wants to take your joy. He wants to take the, your, your things. He wants to separate you from God. He wants to destroy you. The enemy always wants to do that. He's always looking for a way. And it's not always really obvious to us. It comes at different angles with different things, with different situations. But we have a God that gave us life and gave us life in abundance. We have a God that has overcame anything that the enemy can throw at us. We have a God that, is, that cannot be defeated. And if we are in God, we cannot be defeated. That means when the things of this world try to bring you down, you do not have to be defeated by that. When sin comes and tries to entangle you, you do not have to be entangled by that. When, when the pressures of this world start to make you worry about finances, you don't have to worry about that because you serve the one and only true God, the one and only King, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and everything in this world belongs to Him. Everything. Everything. And the only things of value is God. That's it. That is it. We know the promises that the Lord has given us. We know that He promised us everything. What has God not promised us? What has God not promised His people? We know that we have victory through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And He has given us His Word, the mighty Word of God. The mighty Word of God has told, has told just like He told Hezekiah, that He will deliver us, Him, He will deliver us. Because we are also His people, and in Him we have victory. I want you to understand that you are a victorious, a victorious people in the name of Jesus. And God wants us to get closer and closer to Him. And He wants us to pray and to saturate ourselves in communication with Him so that He can be closer to us, that we can be closer to Him, so that we can learn to trust Him, that we can learn to obey Him. How are we going to hear His Word talk to us if we don't speak to Him? How are we going to know how God tells me to do something? So this is a question I get sometimes. How do you know that God tells you something? And when I was just barely becoming a Christian, I asked that same question to some ministers. Because he was saying, well, God said, and God said, and God said. And I said, well, how does God tell you that? I want to know how God speaks. And he couldn't really answer. And the reason why he couldn't really answer me is because... God speaks to each and every one of us a little different. He speaks to you the way He speaks to you. He speaks to me the way He speaks to me. And so we have to learn how God speaks to us. And how can we do that if we don't spend time in prayer, if we don't become obedient when we think God said something? Well, I think God's telling me to do this. Should I do it? Maybe you should. And then you'll realize that God is telling you that, and you'll learn how God is talking to you. And then the next time that happens, you'll know that, okay, God's telling me, and if you're a little reluctant, you maybe listen. And then you'll see, okay, this is how God is telling me to do things. And you'll learn, and you'll learn, and you'll learn to be closer and closer to God. You are God's people. You are the people of God. Don't sell yourselves short with that. You are the true warriors that God has planted in this time to serve Him. All of you, from the youngest to the oldest in this room, we are all, and whoever's watching us on, wherever you're watching us, we are the people of God, the warriors of God, sent here by God for this time to serve Him and to glorify Him and to kick the devil's butt all over the place. That's why we are here. To show this world that God is the one and only true God. God is telling us to stand firm. 
God wants you to stand firm. Stand firm on the Word of God. Please stand firm on the Word of God. There's so many distractions. There's so many things that are going to come against us. But please stand firm on the Word of God. Stand firm on the Word of God. Remember what we just read? That He anointed us and set His seal of ownership on us. From Corinthians, He said He put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You are guaranteed to be in the glory of God. Guaranteed. That's why you can lose your life and not worry about it as a man or woman of God. Because you are guaranteed to be with God. Actually, for us to go from this earth is actually gain for us. Because we get to be with the Lord. Face to face. And not only that, then with everybody else that's up there too. So for us to, for us to die is gain. So there's nothing for us to worry about. What we need to do is to stand firm on the anointing that God has given us, on the guarantee that He has given us. And don't sell yourself short. The same resurrection power that is in Christ is in you. There's nothing that we cannot do in the name of Jesus. There's nothing that we cannot stand up to in the name of Jesus. There is no problem that can stop you from serving God in the name of Jesus because the blood of the Lamb has defeated that. What you need to do is not look at the problem and look at Jesus. Don't put your face in the problem. Put your face in the Word. Your problem will still be there, but who cares? You have your face in the Word. And you will be happy. You will trust in the power of God and you will see You'll understand that scripture that says, how can I have so much trouble? How can all this be happening? And how can I feel a joy in my heart? How is that possible? And the world's going to say, well, you have all these problems. You have this, this, and that. Who cares what the world says? We care what God says. And we can truly have joy in the midst of troubles. All of us have troubles. My son the other day, Noah, was saying, I want to be an adult, Dad. I want to be grown up so I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I said, well, I want to be a kid. He's like, why? He says, because all I have to do is play. <laughs> you can have my job. I'll take yours. God is with us, church. God is with us. And nothing could come against us. Absolutely nothing. God has given us that anointing. What are we doing with it? What are you doing with it? If you're watching, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with the anointing God has given you? Are you making a mess out there with your prayers? We've got to work on that. We've got to stand firm. We've got to stand firm. We've got to stand firm. So... Hezekiah is answered by God. God answer him, answers him, and he hears his prayer. And he says in 2 Kings verse 19, chapter 19, verse 22, and then 27 and 28, verse 22 says, Who is it, who is, who is it you have insulted and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. If I'm on the other side of that, I start to tremble. Right? And he says, verse 27, But I know where you stay. I know where you live, he says. And when you come and when you go, and how you rage against me. 
Verse 28, because you rage against me and your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will make you return by the way you came. The Assyrians would do that whenever they would capture people. They would put hooks in their noses and then they would tie things to it and lead them. And, and that's how they would make their captors walk from place to place. So God says to them, I'm going to put a hook in your nose and a bit in your mouth and I'm going to take you. And then in first and second Kings 1935 says that night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death a hundred and eighty five thousand men in the Assyrian camp. So the people of Israel didn't do one thing and God took care of that problem. But here's the thing. Some people read that and be like, oh, how can God kill so many people? These people had turned their backs to God. God had given them opportunities. These people were evil people. They served Satan, and all they wanted to do was destroy God. That's why God took them out. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So those who are still living like that, I don't want to be near you when God decides to let his wrath on you. So we cannot be afraid because God will answer our prayers and defeat our enemy. We must stand firm and because the presence of God, we will stand firm in the power of the rock in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we will stand firm. Are you guys with me on that? Can we stand firm on the rock, which is our Christ? Can we stand firm on the very words of God? Can we stand firm in the presence of God? Can we let the anointing of God flow? And can we let the anointing of God teach us to do things that we never thought we can even do? Can we let God be God in our lives? You know that we don't have all the answers. I don't know if you knew that, but we don't have all the answers. We think we know things, but we don't know anything. We just need to trust in God. We don't know all the secrets of the universe. God knows that. And we need to trust in God and trust in His mighty power. And if God says to do something, we need to listen because God is not going to do something to, to, to embarrass you or to make you, you know, I don't know, do something silly. God's not going to do that. God's going to ask you to do things that are for His glory with a purpose to save those that are lost, to bring light into the darkness so that you can be salt you can be light in this world. So what we need to do is to trust in God, trust in God, and trust in God. If Hezekiah would have been nervous or scared at this army that was out there, and if he didn't pray, if he said, if he said well, you know what, let me go, just, it's better that we live and, and not die, and if he would have caved, it would have been a whole different thing. But he didn't. He stood firm held on to what God told him, listened to what God says, and God did the rest. Amen? Amen? I hope that we can be like Hezekiah. I hope that we can be like people who seek God, who seek God and never stop following God, that throughout all the time that God has given us to serve Him, that we will seek Him in all that we do, that we will seek Him no matter if you're five years old, ten years old, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, whatever age you are, that we will serve God and never stop seeking Him and never stop loving Him and never stop seeking to love others and never stop seeking that power of the Holy Spirit and never stop seeking that we can do things that demonstrate that power in the name of Jesus. Just like Hezekiah did then, we can do that now. 
And our enemies are different now, but our God is the same. And God will take care of our enemies if we just pray, if we just seek Him. The Lord was with him, the Bible says. The Lord is with you. And when the Lord was with him, he was successful in everything he overtook. And I tell you the same thing. If the Lord is with you, you will be successful too. But pastor, I don't even have a job. Well, you're successful. You don't have to do anything. You could just pray. Well, pastor, I have a job and I work all day. Well, then you can be successful and you can support missions. You know, whatever it is, we can be successful. Whatever it is. Oh, you're having trouble in your marriage. Guess what? God has it. It's in, it's in God's hands. Do you see what I'm saying? God, we are successful if God is with us. If God is with us, we are successful people. Going to leave you with one verse, and then we're going to sing. We're going to sing that one song. What's the King of My Heart? We're going to sing that. And we're going to praise God. And we're going to worship Him, and I'm going to leave you with this verse, Psalms 139, 23. It says, "Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See as if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." So here's the thing. God is God of forgiveness. God is a God of love. And when we say things like, search me, O God, because, you know, so we have problems. We have things that are going on in our lives. And sometimes we need to say, hey, God, please just search me. If there's something in me that shouldn't be in me, let me know and let's get rid of that. Forgive me, Lord. Help me, God. I want to trust you. I want to be a man of prayer. I want to be a woman of prayer. I want to be someone that seeks you in times of trouble, in times of success. I want to seek you in all so that I can be with you, so that you can be with me. So God wants to do a mighty work in your life. He really does. He really does. So I want you to bow your heads for a moment and just pray with me. If you have never accepted the Lord today, and if you're watching and you have never accepted Jesus in your heart, then today all you need to do is say, Lord Jesus, just the way you are, just the way you are. You don't have to change to become a man of God or a woman of God. All you need to do is come the way you are. Say, Lord, just the way you are, just the way I am, I, need, I want to serve you. I need you in my life. I know you died on the cross. I know you resurrected on the third day and you paid the price for my sins. And I receive that, I believe you, and I know that I will be with you in eternity. If, if you would just do that prayer, if you don't know Jesus, and open your heart to God. And if you already are a believer, if you would just, and if you're off track a little bit, or if you need to focus on prayer, if you need God to do a mighty work in your life, then, then all you got to do is say, God, here I am, search my heart. And if there's something in me that shouldn't be there, please help me, forgive me. I want to be on the right track with you. I want to serve you. So I pray over all of you this, this beautiful morning that the mighty power of God, that the mighty hand of the Holy Spirit be upon you right now. Right now where you're at. 
May you just let God search you in the name of Jesus. Will you let God be God in your life? Will you let him find the areas in your life that are not pleasing? And then will you allow, allow God to cleanse you through the blood of the Lamb? Will you allow the Holy Spirit, will you allow the Holy Spirit to cleanse you right now? Because God is working in your lives. I know that he is working in your lives right now. He's doing a mighty work in your life. And why is he doing that? Because he loves you. Because he cares about you. Because he wants to see you happy and, and prosperous. And he wants you to serve him with all your strength and all your might. For our life is short. But our eternity is long and glorious. So Father God, as we sing this song, May we, may we sing right there where we're at, Father, and open our hearts and, and extend our hands to you, Lord Jesus. Because you are our King. You are a wonderful Savior. Forgive us, Lord, of our shortcomings. Forgive us, Lord, if we have not prayed when we should have prayed. Forgive us, Father, if we have not been obedient to your word. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, if we have not stood firm on the rock, which is you, Lord. Forgive us, Father, and help us from here on out, Lord, to continue to seek you and to search for you and to rest upon you and stand firm on your word. Help us to be a glorious people, Lord, a people that seek you in everything that we do. May the world around us know that we are your people. May the world around us know that you bring salvation, that you bring love. And Father, I ask too, right now, that you embrace your people in this congregation with your love. That your mighty love will just embrace your saints. And may they, may they know, Lord, that you love them so much. And that nothing could take them away from you. So, Father, as we worship you, we give of ourselves to you and we need of you, Lord Jesus. We need a touch from you, Lord Jesus. Sometimes we, sometimes we just, we feel dry inside. And we just need a touch from you, Lord. We need your presence. We need your anointing. And we call upon you this morning. Let tears of joy flow from our eyes. Let our hearts be glad. And we worship you, Lord Jesus, in spirit and truth. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, let your anointing flow in Jesus' name. Amen.